I think it's going to amaze you how simple this is, what an impact it could have in this community and in the world if we would simply become a people again of prayer. I know that many of you pray, but I just again want you to be encouraged, okay? Let's pray together. Father, as we open your word, Lord, we are mindful that we need to feed our spiritual souls. And, Lord, one of the great opportunities we have every week is to come into the house of God and to study the Word of God. Lord, we would not do this in our own wisdom and strength, but, Lord, we would ask, Lord, we would even plead with you that we would allow the Spirit of God to come into our midst and to take control of our hearts and minds, that as we read the Scripture, the Scripture will speak to us. Lord, we know that you can read our hearts and minds. You know where we are in relationship with you. And, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that's never trusted Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, you would just wrap your loving arms around them. May they know that you want to deliver them from sin and judgment. And, Father, you know our hearts and minds as believers, as Christians. Lord, I pray that if we have drifted away from you or if we've lost our desire to, to serve you, if we've even lost faith that you could use someone like us, that you'll wrap your arms around us too and that you'll remind us of the great power that you have already placed in us when we were born into the kingdom of God. I just pray that we'll yield to that power and we would become like Peter and John, people that others would recognize that had been and have been and are being with you. Father, please bless in these moments. Please speak, Father. Lord, I pray that you would humble me, that I would come not in my strength or in my small knowledge of you, but, Father, I would come in the power of your Spirit. And again, Father, lift high your Son. Make clear the gospel, and be honored in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. For the third Sunday, I'd like to read this passage again out of Acts chapter 4, and I hope that you've taken time to read these first three chapters. And folks, I want to tell you something. Every time I, I read this passage of Scripture, I can truly say this to you. Every time it seems like there's, there's something new that kind of just stands out as you read it. So I hope you'll follow either on the overhead or you'll follow in your own Bible as we read Acts chapter 4 beginning with verse 1. And again, remember... It's about Peter and John. In the third chapter, they had gone into the temple to witness to the people. And a man there who had been uh, lame from birth uh, was brought there daily uh, to, to beg. That's the way he, he provided for himself, was begging. And as he sees Peter and John, uh, he asks alms of them. And Peter says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the man is healed. And this is what follows in chapter 4. As they, Peter and John, were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, annoyed because they were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, I know that you've already noticed, but, but folks, their message 
was about the Lord Jesus Christ. Their message, their teaching was about Jesus being resurrected from the dead. Well, here's the response, verse 3. And they arrested them. Can you imagine at the end of the church service or during the church service, the sheriff's department, the Roxborough City Police, the FBI, the, what is it in North Carolina, the CCBI, the Central Carolina Bureau of Intelligence or Investigation, if they surrounded this church and said, y'all been preaching and teaching Jesus and we're going to arrest you. Well, that's what happened. They arrested them, put them in custody until the morrow, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Wouldn't you love to see 5,000 people get saved at Theresa Baptist Church? <laughs> I won't even go there, folks. Verse 5, on the morrow, their rulers, elders, scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who are of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, that question, just think about that for just a second. These religious leaders, educated, trained in the Old Testament, saying, guys, how did you do it? You follow that man, Jesus, who we put to death on the cross. How did you do this? And in essence, saying what power and the name, they're th saying, how did you do it? What authority did you do this? Now, verse 8 is, is very beautiful. Then Peter filled with what? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit that Jesus promised that he would leave with his disciples, that he would give them. By this power, Peter said to them, rulers of the people and elders... If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a cripple, by what means this man has been healed, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name, and again, that concept means by the authority, by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And again, again, remember, they're speaking about a resurrected Lord. By him. Now, now listen to this. By him. Peter and John take absolutely no credit. By Jesus, by him, this man is standing before you well. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, but which has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. And folks, I want to point something out in verse 12. There's salvation. You know, the root word for salvation is the word that the Greeks also use for healing. And so Peter's saying, not only has this man been healed by the power of Jesus Christ, his life has been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Folks, salvation is more than just saying my sins are washed away. And folks, that is a tremendous part of it. But there's a healing of our soul. There's a healing of our relationship with God. There's a healing that takes place between us and those that we have offended, those that we have sinned against. And folks, there's so much that Peter is saying by this statement. And he's saying, this has happened because there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved except the name of Jesus. Well, here's their response in verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they wondered and they recognized 
that they had been with Jesus. You know what, in essence, that's saying? What has happened to these two guys? You know, just think about it. These chief priests, these leaders, were they not there at the trial of Jesus the night before his crucifixion? You remember? And Peter was the one standing outside, and he was the one denying the Lord. And these guys are saying, what has happened to Peter and John? Well, the answer is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You remember what Jesus said? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They're different because the Spirit of God is empowering them and enabling them. But seeing that the man had been healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them, Peter and John, to go aside out of the council, they conferred one with another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed, and look at this, through them. And, of course, you and I know the word for sign means miracle. You remember the Gospel of John. Signs that Jesus did were miracles. What Peter and John had had done or had been done through them was a miracle. And they're saying this has not been done by them, but through them. What was their source of power? Verse 17, but in order that it may spread no farther among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all men, look at this, praise God for what has happened. Folks, listen, when God is working in us and through us, it will cause others to praise God. I'd never thought about that before. When people see the work of Jesus Christ in me and you and in this church, it will cause them to praise God. Last week, and again, we've been going through this. I'm sure y'all feel like I'm getting where I'm slow as molasses. But folks, you remember last week we were talking about what would happen in our lives, in this community, and in our church, and in our world if we, number one, made a commitment to give this year to God. Now, we're already 20 days into this month. I cannot believe that. But 20 days have already gone by. What if we give the rest of this year to God? How would we do that? You remember last week we used 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, and then we mentioned five things, and I want to mention these again, and then we're going to get on the, the new part, okay? But in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Peter writes, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Folks, I'd never noticed this until this morning. When you and I grow as Christians in grace and knowledge, God gets the glory. Now listen again what he says. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both man to the day of eternity. Amen. Folks, listen. I believe that if you and I do these five things this coming year, we will grow in grace and knowledge. And again, I, we mentioned these last week, but I want to mention them again. Personal Bible study. You and I cannot forsake the Word of God, and grow as a Christian. Personal prayer. This goes back to this little card we just passed out. Remember last week we read Luke 18, 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, pray without ceasing. Personal worship is something that we cannot do without. 
personal dedication to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to do more than talk about Jesus. We need to make him the Lord of our life. He is the one who controls us. He is the one who directs us. And personal obedience. That is so important. Folks, listen. These early disciples understood that Christian growth cannot be experienced without at least these five things. Let me give you an example of this and a proof of this. In in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, and it's going to be on the overhead. I got, it's at the next frame, Steve, after this. Okay, hold that one right there. You remember last week we had this quote from, from a devotional that I told you that I saw? Remember that God must work in you before he can work how? Through you. And the five things that we've just mentioned is how God will work in us. And folks, again, I think you and I need to ask ourselves, what is keeping us from growing in this grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that, that Peter talks about? Did these early disciples do this? We'll look again, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42. So those who received his word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now listen what the early church began to do in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now it's important to understand. Now again, they didn't have the New Testament. They only had the Old Testament. So what was the apostles' teachings? The apostles were not authorities and experts on the Old Testament, but you know what they were authorities on? The Lord Jesus Christ. They had been with him at least three years. They had heard him preach. They had seen him do miracles. They saw him die on a cross. They saw him buried in a tomb, and they saw him resurrected from the dead. Amen, hallelujah. And that's what they were sharing. Remember again in Acts chapter 1, we've mentioned this so many times, for 40 days after his resurrection, he stayed with them, and he taught them. And they experienced his presence. And you remember as, as they were questioning uh, Peter and John, how did you do this? And they said, we're just telling the people what we have heard and seen. Remember that? That's uh, chapter 4, verse 20. So, folks, this was an important part of it. Folks, you and I must be convinced. We must have faith to believe the word of God and be convinced from the word of God that Jesus is the son of God, the savior of the world. He died, he, he was buried, and he rose again. That is the gospel, folks. And if we don't believe that, we don't have any foundation to do ministry. We don't have any foundation to grow in our faith. And so this early church began to gather together, and as they did, the apostles taught them about their one-on-one experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, there was fellowship. They loved each other. A church can never obey the command of Jesus Christ and his commission if we don't love each other. Love has got to begin in this place, folks. Before we can love the lost and love people outside these walls, we've got to love each other. Amen. We need to lay aside whatever's keeping us from loving each other. We, know we need to practice love. We can love each other. We'll love people outside these doors. And listen, they, they committed themselves to the breaking of bread. You and I would say, that, well, that's just the Lord's Supper, but it means more than that. Jesus commanded his church to do certain things. They were committed to that. And the prayers... Folks, do you see again, prayer is so vitally important in, in the Lord's work in, in, in the church and in my life and in your life. Well, let's make a commitment of this year uh, to the Lord. Let's give it to him. Let's say, God, please use us. Grow our faith. Grow us in our walk with you. And please, Lord, grow our church. 
Make a commitment also, number two, to, to serve God this year. You know, that's so important for us to make a commitment. God, I want to be in your service. And I know one of the first things that you're going to say is, how can I do that? I, I really don't have any talents. Well, let me read to you from the Word of God and from the Apostle Paul, who knew more about churches than anybody else, I believe, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And again, I know that I'm just pulling this passage of Scripture out, but Paul is speaking to the church. And listen to what he says. Now, God gives us many kinds of special abilities, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. Again, remember, before we can understand our talents, our gifts as Christians, we've got to be tied into what? The Holy Spirit of God. He is the power. He is the source of power. He is the source of gifts. And Paul says in verse 5, there are different kinds of service to God, but it is the same Lord we are serving. There are many ways in which God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work in and through all of us who are his. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Folks, you and I need to ask, what talent has God given us? And are we using that talent? Now, let me tell you something. Not everybody, as you read in Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 13, not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a deacon. Not everybody's a Sunday school teacher. Not, not everybody can do all these other things that you probably see people doing that, that you feel, I can't do that, but God has given you a gift. You know, one of the hardest things we, we have is, is to let the Spirit of God tell us, I'll use you if you just surrender to me. And folks, that's one of the great scriptural truths, and it's one of the great truths about Peter and John. The other people that knew them said, these guys aren't educated. They don't know anything. They're not trained in theology, but yet the Spirit of God was, was revealing in a mighty way its power through them. And folks, there's something we've got to remember. My gifts, your spiritual gifts are for the glory of God and helping others, especially within the church of Jesus Christ. So that means we're to be what? We're to be servants. Folks, there's so many of you that would, ignite, would not say, well, I've got special talents, but you're doing so much for the Lord. So many of you do stuff behind the scenes. You make visits, you send cards, you take foods, you pray, and you don't want any glory for it. And thank God for that, because when you don't want the glory, God gets the glory. And, folks, one of the problems about being a preacher, so often our egos are so big, we want the glory. And I pray that you will ask God to keep me humble so that he will be magnified in everything that is done. Folks, would we serve God? How can we do that? We need to stop being spectators and we need to get involved. We need to stop complaining, griping, and criticizing if you do that. And Baptists don't do that often, do they? Amen. Thank you very much. And we need to start praying. Folks, look, if we got serious about praying in this place, what would happen? I don't know, but I'd love to see God do it. I believe God would bring results that you and I could never imagine. And we're, again, not talking about glorify ourselves and for Theresa Baptist Church about growing greater numbers. We're talking about doing stuff for his glory, for his kingdom. How can we do this? 
You remember what Paul says? We read this, I think, the first Sunday. We don't have this on the overhead, but you remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. God can do more than we could ever ask or think that he would do. But how can he do that? Well, it is through faith. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do we have faith? And what is faith? I remember Marvin Sood at a revival one time. He used the, the letters in faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. That's faith. We'll just forsake what we feel, what we think, and we'll say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you can empower me. I might not be a Peter and John. I might not heal somebody who's been lame all their life, but I can serve in your kingdom's work, and I can give you honor and glory. Amen. Number one, make a commitment of the year to Jesus Christ. Number two, make a commitment to serve God this year. And number three, make a commitment to be a witness for the Lord. Now, when I said that, how many of us just thought, I can't do that, I can't be a witness for Christ? I'm not, I'm not, I, that's not where I'm going with this, folks. God can do what in Ephesians 3.20? Far more than we ask or think. Whatever you think you can't do, God can do. <laughs> it's that simple, but is that not a hard lesson to understand? Let me tell you, the more, again, I'm not joking when I say the more I read this passage of Scripture in Acts 4, let me tell you some things that overwhelmed me this week about reading this passage again. Do you think that Peter and John thought that they would have the power and the strength and the courage and the wisdom and the words to speak to thousands and see them saved. They didn't. Folks, look, you remember as the gospel of John ends, Peter says, I'm going fishing. Do you think these guys all of a sudden said, you know, Fishing for a living is just hard work. I heard that if you become a preacher, it's real easy. And let's just all become preachers. And let's see if people to take up offerings for us. Folks, something got a hold to them. <laughs> well, this, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Jesus promised, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And it will be the power of God at work in you. Let me ask another question. Do you think Peter and John thought they would have the power to heal a lame man? Now, again, think about this. I, I never really thought about this. Just let your mind wander. Don't you think healing a, a lame man would be too hard for a bunch of fishermen? How did these old, crusty, or young, middle-aged, crusty fishermen become healers? It was the power of God, wasn't it? It was not their power. It was not their words of wisdom. It was not their, their ability to persuade people to turn to God. It was the power of God at work in them. You and I need to ask ourselves, do we have the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Do you and I have power to heal someone? I want to be real careful, folks, because I want to point something out. All of us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, have the power not only to witness but also to heal. And I want you to think about this concept of healing. 
Folks, I'm not talking about people that are lame. I am talking about people who need not only a physical healing, but a healing of the soul, a healing of the spirit, a healing from addictions, a healing from the mastery of sin over their lives. And when we share Jesus Christ with them, this is what he does. He heals them. I'd never looked at it that way before. And folks, I want to tell you something else. You know, I hope you never get tired of us announcing the prayer list. Folks, this prayer list is so important because to me, we're not doctors. Many of you are nurses. We're not doctors. Most of us are not nurses. But folks, we are healers as we lift people up in prayer. And talk to someone lately who has gone through terrible times as far as their physical health has been concerned. And they'll tell you it was the prayers that helped them get through. Thank God for the doctors and nurses, the medications. But thank God for people who pray for them. But folks, listen. God wants you and I to be a part of his healing team. And again, I'm not just talking about the physical healing, the healing of mankind. Don't we see the people beyond these walls? The people that will not come to this church because they don't think we'll accept them? The people that think we've already judged them and said, well, they're going to hell anyway, just let them go. Or their addiction is so strong that we cannot, we cannot help them. Folks, we can. This is what being a church is all about. Some people would which argue about is a hospital a, a, a place for a hospital for sinners. But folks, I believe it is. And when we begin to share the Lord Jesus Christ with them, this begins to happen. Folks, some of us would say, well, I've never done anything like, I've never witnessed anybody before. Well, guess what? Neither Peter and John. But the Spirit of God got in control of their heart and their lives and their mouths and their hands and their feet and their ears. Would you and I be willing to let God do that? Folks, before I close today, and I I am going to close this morning, uh, I want to just run over the plan of salvation. As a Christian, as a believer, I want you to take serious these verses and what they tell a person. And I want to encourage you, if you as a Christian have not highlighted and tagged these scriptures or committed them to memory, that you would do this. And I'll be honest with you, at my age, I'm getting where I highlight a whole lot more because it's getting harder and harder to memorize. But if somebody came up to you and said, tell me how I can become a Christian, how can I become a follower of Christ? Here's some simple verses I would use. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 3, 23, Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is what? Death. God said that, not me. But it is. You and I know that. But the free gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That song, Wonderful Savior, remember earlier? I can't remember the exact words. Who would have imagined that a lamb 
a lamb, and of course that's speaking symbolically of Christ's death on the cross, that a lamb could save humanity, but he did and he will. What's our part? Because Romans 10, 9, 10, 11, and 13, because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God did what? Raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For man believes with his heart and so is justified. He confesses with his lips and so is saved. The scripture says no one who believes in him will be put to shame for everyone. Hallelujah. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's the thought that I want to close with, okay? And you say, man, there ain't no way I'm going to sit and talk with somebody about that. Well, let me suggest something to you. What I'm about to tell you is a true story. You're going to think I made this up, but I promise you it's true. As I've told you many times, I received Christ as my personal Savior. At the end of my junior year in high school, I was in the latter part of my 16th year as a person. At that point in time, I was in many ways very shy, and I certainly wasn't going to walk up to somebody and ask them if they were saved. And it's still hard for me to do that, by the way. But you know, the first person that I witnessed to and told the plan of salvation to, it was Timmy Brown. You know who Timmy Brown is? Not my brother, not a cousin. It was my cat. I had this cat for 11 years. That cat, every single night of its life, there were a couple of exceptions. He got up with the wrong crowd. Uh, but there was, every night that cat slept in my bed. This is honest to goodness truth. When I was in college and, and during the summer when I would work second shift, that cat would wait till I got home and then go into the house and go to bed, sleep with me. And I would witness to the cat. I'd say, Timmy, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. That cat would just lick himself and he'd keep right on going. <laughs> Never got him to the altar. <laughs> but trying to be serious. Folks, we'll never know until we try. And folks, I want to tell you something. You have probably got someone in your life, a fellow Christian. It might be your spouse. It might be your parents. It might be your children. It might be a friend. It might be a co-worker. It might be a Sunday school worker who would say to you or you could say to them, look, I want to become a witness, but I don't know how, and I'm nervous and I'm afraid. And I've never, I've never had this conversation with somebody before. I've never looked at him and said, look, I love you, and I want to share the plan of salvation. I don't know if you're a believer or not. You and I need to begin to, to talk with our friends that are Christians and just get comfortable with sharing. Folks, something I heard in seminary years ago, and this is not going to make sense until you sit down and you think about it. The shepherd does not multiply the sheep. The sheep multiply the sheep. You know what that means? You can have, and I'm not saying you do, you can have the greatest preacher who ever walked on this earth to stand in this pulpit Sunday after Sunday and preach the gospel. But you know when people are going to get saved and get right with God and get into the house of God is when the sheep begin to multiply the sheep. It's when the people of God 
get empowered by the Holy Spirit like Peter and John and begin to simply share their faith. And folks, there's a lot of ways of doing it. You don't have to run up to somebody and say, look, I just come to tell you about how you get saved, and you better get saved right now. Folks, live before them. Pray for them. God will give us the opportunity. Folks, I believe we have lost in our day the basics of Christianity that has helped the church grow throughout the centuries, and that is living the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Peter and John were doing it. How about you and me? The power is already in us. That's what Jesus said. When I'm taken away, I'll send another comforter who will be with you and will dwell in you. He is here. If we've been born again into the kingdom of God, he's in our hearts. But is he in control? And before I pray and we have a hymn of invitation, if you've never trusted Christ, today may he speak to your heart. I pray that he's spoken through me to you, but folks... I can't save you, but Jesus can. Will you call on him? Will you confess that you're a sinner? Will you repent of sin and turn to him as your savior? Would you confess him with your lips this day? Let us pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have had to study your word. And I do pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit has taken your word and, Lord, spoken our hearts. Lord, first and foremost, we would pray that if there's someone here that is not yet trusted Christ, that, Lord, they will. Lord, maybe you've knocked on the door of their heart many, many times, and, and they've said no or not yet. Father, I pray soon, even this moment, that they'd say yes, and they'd come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And, Father, pray for us as Christians. Oh, God, many of us have been in church for decades now. But our faith has become something that is so private and something that, that we only exhibit when we come to church. Oh, God, I pray that we would allow you simply to serve Jesus. That as people see our day-to-day life, as they see our actions as they interpret our motives, as they hear our speech, they would recognize that we have been with Jesus. Have your way and your will in these moments of invitation. For we ask in Christ's name, amen.